Good evening, Newark. It's good to see you again. Good to be together. I'm excited about tonight's devotion. I want to go ahead and get started, so let's have a moment of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to come together to love you, to study your word, to praise and worship you, to be together as a church family and as friends and many of us that gather from all over the globe tonight to to share in you, to learn from you, to learn of you, and to, to study. Thank you for this time. We ask that you would touch every person's heart here tonight. Let us be open to you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever read a book? You don't have to be a reader to enjoy a book. Uh, many, many of us have memories of someone reading to us as a child. Many of us have, um, have favorite books or uh, stories. Even if we don't like to read, we might want someone to read it to us or listen to an audiobook. I have a few here. This one, Peter Rabbit, is a, a classic with the terrifying gardener. When I was a child, I, I hated that farmer. And we were farmers, so uh, I just I couldn't stand how ugly that farmer was to that rabbit. And then there's the classics. Around the World in 80 Days is, is just an example of that. It's a good story to read. Then we have some that everyone's probably seen or heard a rendition of this of this story, The Three Little Pigs. One of my absolute favorites from childhood, Corduroy. If you haven't read it, it's a great read. Then, then what about this one? Anybody, anybody recognize this book? It's a lot of fun. There's some, the, some older children's books that some of us might remember. This book has seen better days, but, but it's a good book. Uh, then we have, if you see this kind of book, you know, you think classic literature. You know, we all, all kind of think that when we see these nice covers. I love them. It makes me just want to hold them. Even if I don't read them, I, I like to hold them. And then we have um, new printings of some old classics, Pride and Prejudice. They can get a little wordy. You might prefer the, the movie to the book, but it's a fantastic story. Some books and stories we just pick up because they look so cool and so pretty. And we want to, to read the story just to get to see the pictures. Uh, just to get to join in the fun and the, the adventure that we see in these pictures and on these, these storybooks that draw us in. And then there are some people, I know you're out there, that just don't like to read. There is, there is a type of book that gets just about everybody. That is a newspaper comic, a newspaper comic or a newspaper comic book. This is a favorite in our family. And you just, you know, you don't have to read chapters, and but you can just read little snippets into a story. You can get the big picture with all the little snippets. And comic strips, comic books are a blast. We have a lot of them around our house. We really enjoy them. So tonight we're going to talk, for a few minutes, um, we're going to talk about our theme this week, which is look up. In Luke chapter 28, I apologize, 21 verse 28, it says, So when all these things begin to happen, stand straight and look up, for your salvation is near. This is exciting. And when I was listening to Brother Arash and him, him teaching, um, on this topic, 
he talked about unintended consequences um, or maybe it was unexpected or unintended side effects and he talked about his medicine and and that goes along with with this devotion tonight we're going to look up and there could be positive things that are unexpected or unintended uh, consequences or negative tonight we're going to talk about one of the positives but we're going to do it with a story I don't have any pictures but the author of this story is fantastic at painting a picture in your mind um, Dr. Jeremy Painter wrote this this story and it is actually a part of his story and it's in the book that he authored the Psalms and wisdom literature and I've been reading this book and this story grabbed my attention and I wanted to share it with you it's his story written to God so if you'll just get cozy sit back listen and let your imagination take you into this story I once met a particular servant of yours. I had seen him around all my life, but always at church. He seemed to get younger as I grew older. The first time I saw him in church, I must have been four and he seemed a wise old man. But now that I'm 40, he seems a child. But though I'd seen him for many years, we weren't formally introduced until about 15 years ago. I still remember where I was when I learned his name. I was listening to the song, Blessed Assurance, on a CD player at home. I listened to it over and over to prepare to sing it that night at church. But as you know, I turned around and saw my grandmother on the couch with her hands raised and a well of tears collected on her collarbone. She was mumbling softly, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I had heard the rhythm of the song, the syncopations, the modulations, the vocals, but she, she was hearing something else, something I didn't yet understand. That's when I first met him. This servant of yours was sitting next to her doing the same thing, and I wondered how he ever got in my house. I asked him his name, and he said, it depends on what language you're speaking. In Greek, my name is Epenos. In Italian, Lodate. In German, Lobet. In Russian, Kvalit. The Chinese call me Zanmei. The Chichua, Matamando. Among the Hebrew people, I have long been known as Hallel. You may call me praise. I was used to seeing praise only at church. But as big as you please, there he was with my grandmother, glorifying you in my living room. It was an odd place, O oh Lord, to find praise. I had always interpreted these songs devotionally when I was at church but always mechanically when I was anywhere else, but grandma didn't. Not long after that, my wife told me she met praise in the mall. Laura said, I was in the Christian bookstore and I saw a picture of a broken man holding a giant nail in one hand and a hammer in the other, collapsed in despair, but held in the merciful arms of the wounded Christ. But then I noticed I wasn't alone. 
standing there. Praise was standing with me, shaking, apologize, making a bit of a scene, weeping for joy. I looked back at the picture a second time. It was me. I was the broken one in the picture. The Lamb of God was upholding me. I started to cry and couldn't break away. I grew up believing in Jesus, but I always believed in him like, like I believe in planets and galaxies. I know they exist, but I haven't seen them. But here, here I met Jesus. It can't be coincidence that when I met him, praise was standing next to me. Oh God, I didn't think it was a coincidence, but I still found it odd that he would show up in such a public place, even if it was at a Christian bookstore. But then I remembered taking Laura to dinner in Ocean Shores, Washington, right at the edge of the world. The evening was warm and clear, and we were going to get to watch the sunset over the Pacific. Everything was perfect. We sat by a window in a warm fire pit. The pianist played furlies. In the kitchen, clanking dishes, glasses filling with ice, flames swooshing, hissing pans, a hundred happy conversations. But then, maker of heaven and earth, praise came in and asked to join our dinner. I told him quietly, not wanting to hurt his feelings. Three's a crowd, and we're on a date. He wasn't bothered. He was on a mission, as if he had gone there to witness a miracle. He sat in the next booth by himself and stared like a child out the window. The time came at last. The hot pink sun descended into the horizon. The waters of the sea seemed to boil. Waves of heat danced over the ocean. The dishes stopped clinking. The pianist stopped playing. The conversation ceased. All was silent. Praise stared breathlessly. Then, excellent Lord, the last pink speck of your fiery chariot disappeared, and the gates of night closed. The restaurant, filled with saints and sinners alike, erupted spontaneously in applause. Praise stood to his feet and shouted with hands upraised, The heavens declare the glory of God! The skies show his handiwork. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth! I was conscious a few moments later that I too was clapping. And in my joy, a sobering question occurred to me. Whom does the atheist have to thank for moments like this? Praise started showing up in all kinds of places with me after that. We began to laugh together quite a bit. We smiled at the moon as it changed faces night unto night. We watched a young man sitting with his friends. A girl that he obviously liked stole a look at him. He blushed and she smiled at this tribute to her beauty. We saw two girls playing kickball on a quiet street 
and then we listened to the beautiful sound of their mother's voice echoing through the street calling them home for dinner. I once held my oldest boy in mere hands, in my mere hands. The boy was almost lost at his birth. You, oh excellent creator, gave him a blonde streak through his dark hair and made his eyes china blue. The years, they have passed and, and now I'm talking to him one day and Praise was standing next to me and smiling. I watched this same son who once strained his neck to look up at me, stand dead even with me and shake my hand with a man's grip. Speak to me with a man's voice and yet look at me with the same little boy eyes. Oh God, how great you are. I hear praise whispering behind me. I, I wasn't sure it was appropriate for praise to come with me to the symphony. It wasn't a gospel concert after all. It was Brahms, but he came anyway. After the concert, I asked why he applauded the musicians so vigorously. I'll never forget his answer. What marvelous gifts God has given to dust and clay. I started to get more comfortable with praise. I was surprised that he's interested in the smallest and seemingly insignificant details of my life. We started spending quite a bit of time in each other's company. We moved from acquaintances to friends. But it happened though, one afternoon, that I opened up my email and read a note from the English chair. It read, Dear Professor Painter, I regret to inform you that one of your students, Denise, was in a terrible car accident last weekend. She did not survive. The family has informed us that forthcoming details concerning her funeral will be posted through this link. Sincerest condolences to you and her classmates. I was crushed, merciful one. She was only 21 and one course away from graduating with honors. And to think that I had only just spoken with her three days before, I remembered that my last discussion with her was about her grades. I pulled up her document and read what I wrote. Her document and my remarks showed no signs that I was talking to a child on the brink of eternity. My last words were, your paper is well written, but there are some research issues we'll need to work through in the next few weeks. I looked up from the document and heard the sudden and terrible crush of a high-speed collision. Glass, metal, fire. A rolling mass of metal coming to a stop at a barricade. A sickening, primal scream cut short by the angel of death a drunk driver staggering out of his car, running away into the night. O oh, man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, I thought then of my puny words. There are some research issues we'll need to work through in the next few weeks. What do such words about such trifles mean now? The sudden light of death, 
reveal the utter irrelevance of so much of what I do every day. Breaking this awful reverie, I remembered Emily Dickinson's words, the bustle in the house the morning after death is one of life's greatest solemnities. The sweeping up the heart and putting love away until it will be used again in eternity. This rings in my mind. And so I busy myself with menial tasks in hopes that my mind won't have time to ask what this pain and suffering means for my belief in a good God. I heard a knock on my office door. It was praise. I didn't let him in. Two days later, I heard the knock again. This time, I let him in, but I didn't have anything to say to him. Lord, I, I thought I had finally found a place where he didn't belong. I told him this was no time for praise. Oh Lord, I tell you truly, you know my heart. I didn't reject you, but believing that the other side should have its day in court, I decided it was Payne's turn to have the floor. Payne must be allowed to speak unfettered. Pain and praise to different voices, to advocates for two different sides of life. One, of it, one, an evangelist for you, and the other, an evangelist for chaos. But praise just sat there in my office and stayed. The next morning when I walked in, he was already there. I sat down and ignored him. Still in no mood for praise, I ignored him for days on end, and every morning he was still there. But after a few more days, there was another knock. I'm glad because I know it's not praise who's still sitting on my couch. I opened the door, but this time it was a dark figure, more fitting to my mood. I didn't need to ask his name, for I knew that I was looking at death. I wouldn't let him in, and I closed the door and stood against it. Then I heard him whisper from behind the door, Live, I'm coming. My knees turned to jelly, and I shuffled over to my chair. Then I remembered praise was still with me. Why are you here? I shouted angrily. He had never said much outside of his exclamations of worship. But this time, faithful Lord, he spoke to me. My longtime friend, do you think you're the first to feel pain? You act as though pain is a private revelation of yours. You imagine that suffering has given you a glimpse of a reality that eluded the saints and sages. You're assuming, in spite of all you've been shown, that the saints of ages past have praised God only in the absence of pain. Pain and praise are not two different voices. They are one. When the sweet psalmist of Israel cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, 
I was there. I was Job's true friend when he said, The Lord gives and takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. When David cried with bitter tears, God, why are you so far from helping me? I was there. I was with David when he climbed atop the walls of Machanem and wept, O Absalom, Absalom, my son! When Israel was at Shebar and they hung their harps on the willows, I was there. They still sang a lament for the ages. Nothing would have been heard from the Philippian jailhouse if pain had not brought Paul and Silas there. I was there, and our voices filled the night. Jeremy, do you believe that the Holy Spirit inspired these darker passages? Or did the Spirit only inspire passages that speak of the glories of God and triumph of his people? You remember my answer, God, I replied. I believe the Spirit is the author of both all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Spirit. You see, my upbringing taught me to say these words even when my emotions did not believe them. Praise answered, Then you believe that the Lord was saying to one and the same, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is a contradiction even in God's own heart. Suffering and praise are not too different voices. I am the voice of both. Have you forgotten that the symbol of true faith is the cross? Do you remember in John's gospel that the Son of God said he went to the cross to glorify his Father? I marvel that you think I don't belong where there's suffering. You have learned that I don't just belong in church. You have learned that I don't just belong in church and your home. You have learned that I belong everywhere in life, but only so long as everything in life is okay. You're okay with my presence when there are answers, but you imagine that I am out of place when there are questions. But if this is all you've learned from me in the last 15 years, you've learned nothing at all. Why aren't you asking how it was that grandmother was sitting on your couch on that day you met me? Don't you remember that your grandmother went to bed every night later in her life knowing that her husband had made a terrible mistake and had been unfaithful to her? Her family knew and her friends and her church knew and she bore the shame everywhere she went. Don't you remember that when she was a young woman, she stood over the grave of her own child and wept? Had she erased these things from her mind that day she sang in your home? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, lost in his goodness washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Do you imagine that the tears of joy she shed in your living room were not mixed with great sorrow? 
Could it be that this is what you missed when you saw her raising her hands and weeping? Do you think it's significant that she was worshiping to a song written by a blind woman who sings of visions of rapture bursting on her sight and of watching and waiting and looking above? Your grandmother had learned that something could only be taken from her if it had graciously been given to her in the first place. One has had to be given health to know what sickness is. One has had to be blessed with the sheer joy of being given a child to understand what it is to lose a child. I never ever forget the pain. I take the pain and reinterpret it within a larger truth. I belong not only where you watch a sunset and kiss a child's cheek, but I belong and have always belonged where there is sorrow. Christianity was not conceived around a table in a cozy cafe. It was not born in the bliss of Eden. Christianity was born on a cross and the first words of its creed came from the bloody lips of a dying Christ. We don't praise God in spite of pain. We praise him in large part because it is only through pain that we truly experience what God experiences all the time. Have you never listened to Paul speak of knowing God in the fellowship of his suffering? With those words, praise left. I still felt the sting of death, but I was silenced. At what point does disappointment become pouting? I then went to Denise's funeral. Her brother gave her eulogy, and at the end he said, My sister was, is, a believer. One of her greatest sorrows, I know, was that I didn't share her faith. In fact, I had never believed in life after death. I was convinced that there was only one omnipotence in the universe, and that was death. But since she died, I've had the hardest time imagining that someone so good, so full of life as Denise was, could really be dead. I'm beginning to believe that she's not. Faith is tempting me. Death didn't change what Denise means to me. Denise changed what death means to me. In that moment, the light of heaven shone in my soul. I understood and closed my eyes in reverence. And when I opened them again, sitting next to me was the familiar but somehow changed face of praise. Ten thousands of years of wisdom and quiet faith shone upon his, his face. His hands were uplifted just as I had met him next to my now departed grandmother. He whispered, death is swallowed up in victory. This is my story and my song, praising my savior all the day long. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, 
Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Tonight, friends and family, we can look up. And the unexpected thing, the unexpected result of looking up is that we see praise. We feel praise. We express praise to the one and only true God and Savior who came to this earth to die and give us a reason to praise. The one who took our sin to the cross, who bore our shame and gave us hope and a new life as he filled us with his spirit. We look up and we praise no matter our circumstances, no matter our present or our future, we can praise. Tonight, I ask you to praise with me, our Savior and our King, as we end this devotion. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can praise you. Thank you for voices to praise you. Thank you that you are our Savior and our King and that we have a future and a hope with you of new life in eternity. Thank you that no matter how we suffer or what we go through, that you walk through it with us and that we can praise you, that you have given us reason to look up and to praise because our redemption draweth nigh and you are coming back for your people and your church and you have hope for every person that will turn to you. Every person that will look to you has hope if they will believe and obey your word. Thank you for that, Jesus. And tonight together we look up and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Remember to carry praise with you everywhere that you go. Good night.